It's time to time. Well, I thought we had something. That's the sound. It's the simple things. It's the simple things that make the world turn. Alright, so we're back. We're talking episode two for Lord of the Rings Rings of Power. I am digging it so far. Loving it. Again, my nerd awakening. Much like my sexual awakening. I thought that episode two was a little slow paced. Mm-hmm. A little bit slow. Yeah. More, more character development. Yeah. I would say so. So, what, what were like your favorite parts of it? My favorite part, what I, again, I'm going right back to it, the cinematography of this, where they were um, able to show the landscapes of it. They were able to transition the filming from above water to underwater. They showed that sea creature uh, from the sundering seas that was devouring people. I really appreciated the actions filming of that and your, your... able to see a good bit of the monster but then you can also see uh the survivors trying to get away from from it yeah that's that's my favorite part of the show so far is just how good it looks Mm -hmm. it's i mean it's absolutely stunning Mm -hmm. the the cgi is fantastic the i think that the the cameraman or men women whatever they did a great job at just kind of capturing um, the shots, the wide angle shots, the, the close up, um, the, the the panning views of the different cities. Mm-hmm. I think that they did a fantastic job with that. However, when it comes to the story, I'm was I'm, it lagging for you? It was a little lagging for me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I really assumed that episode one was going to be the the kind of the world building one, and then episode okay. two would be like, okay, now we're going to get into the story a little bit more. But it's like we're not seeing too much character development here. I mean, all that really happens to Galadriel in this whole entire episode is she's swimming. And then she's swimming some more. And then she finds a raft. And then she's sailing. And then, yeah, but it's like, that's like, I mean, even the sea creature, as cool as soon as that was, it was kind of inconsequential. It's it's just kind of like a filler. Yeah. So, something that I had to keep in mind because I previously watched the lord of the rings the extended versions of it if anybody has seen that um i think return of the king that was like five hours if you haven't seen lord of the rings at this point you suck simply put yeah if you haven't seen lord of the rings period uh why are you even listening to us go watch it secondly after you go watch that, then spend the extra time to go watch the extended versions because that will just answer your start questions. off with the extended version. Just take take no. tomorrow off of work. Suffer <laughs> like the rest of us where we had to wait for that to come out. Ah, oh, dude, you showed your age there, man. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so, um, again, I watched the extended versions. I was... Uh, the Return of the King about five hours and I really had the patience then for Rings of Power because those are one hour episodes I knew the accumulation of the entire season eight hours that it was going to be quite the story to tell 
Yeah, I mean, re- I've rewatched Lord of the Rings at this point several times, um, especially Fellowship of the Ring, mm-hmm. and it's it's one of those things where like I, I really don't think that a single scene was even a waste. Like every single mm-hmm. scene there, like added something, and I mean, you, you or can argue something or answered something, mm-hmm. and you can argue that maybe like the worm scene added the whole dynamic between Halbrand and, and Galadriel, mm-hmm. and this is me playing like devil devil's advocate against myself here but it it it, you did get to see kind of halbrand rescue mm-hmm. galadriel from drowning which was interesting mm-hmm. what was the point to that do you think very interesting um i i had mixed emotions about it because if you recall galadriel was hiding her ears that there was some type of what's the word i'm looking for essentially they're racist against elves Oh, yeah. They're racist against elves, so she was hiding her yeah. pointed ears, so that way they couldn't tell. They all they all end up dying, but then uh, Halbrand, he is the only survivor, and it, that's the one we were talking about between uh, that scene where we can see the fish, the, the, the monster, diving up, smashing their little raft. Halbrand has untied himself and pushed himself out. He is a survivor. So, again, yeah. I have... Um, Mixed emotions about it because Halbrand is a survivor, but he was pushing off to be by himself, and at the same time, he he had a hesitancy of trying to help an elf. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing. Like, he, he wasn't really big on helping anybody else. He was really big on helping himself, and he didn't help out the rest of the crew, really. He, he just was kind of focused on himself, but he did help Galadriel, which I thought was really interesting. And it's very clear that the moment that he's introduced, he's going to play kind of a pivotal role here. And that's the that's the other piece, too, is I couldn't get a, a good read on him, on Halbron, where he seemed standoffish, but then he was mm. helpful, and he was friendly, and then he was piss off i'm I, i'm halbron so of. maybe he like sees that he can use galadriel in one way or another and he and he tries to take advantage of that by helping her out he's manipulating all of yeah. our emotions yeah that's that's all really that happens between galadriel and and halbrand um who do you th- who do you think halbrand is who do you think he's going to be in this season because he oh boy. his backstory was quite vague yeah, so he said that he was uh, chased away from his homeland mm-hmm. by orcs. By orcs, yep. And he had the a crest on a pouch around his neck mm-hmm. uh, of the Southlanders, which we were introduced to in the first episode with with Arvier and Bronwyn. Do you do you think he he came from there? He was chased out. I think that there's some lies going on here. I think that there's something that's not. That's not being entirely truthful. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem like the kind of person um, and that he seems like the kind of person that kind of will say what he needs to say in order to get his way. Okay. So I think that there's a little bit more to that story there. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely he plays an important role um, that I would say is, I mean, they're introducing this guy freaking episode number two mm-hmm. and but, putting him But in, how important? Like it, there, there's a lot of the important fact characters that he meets Galadriel. Okay. Like right away, I mm-hmm. think goes to goes to show that he's going to be one of the most important people, at least in this season. And that's what is leading me to my point because rings of power that's supposed to bring back Sauron, and I think that we have met Sauron here in episode two. He is Halbron. 
Uh, if anybody's familiar with the lore of Tolkien's universe, you know that Sauron, he actually went under the disguise as Anatar to then trick the elves into creating the Rings of Power. Yeah, that's Anatar, man. That's Anatar. Albron is a different name. But if you've read the casting and the, the crew member names of the show, there isn't anybody under the name of Anatar. That that would give it away. Well, I'd give it away to people who really know I, I am paying good money for Amazon Prime to tell me a story <laughs> and hold me in suspense. God damn it, Jeff Bezos. If you were to drop the ball and just be like, hey, here's the villain. So you think that right away in episode two, they're going to show Sauron right next to Galadriel and have them working together. Yes. You want to know why? Suck my balls. Okay. So. Like, like really? Yes. Really? Okay. What are you doing? If I'm right, (laughs) suck my balls. Suck my balls. If I find a leprechaun. Screw you guys. I'm going home. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I believe that Halbrand from episode two is Sauron in the end because of what was said in episode one. Galadriel said that not all things are evil in the beginning. And the whole theme that we've been hearing about it is the whole theme is that evil just does not simply become into existence. It's it a little is, bit more than meets the eye. It's developed. And so that's where Paul Braun, I would say, because he's supposed to be the some kind of reincarnation of, of Sauron. And, but he knows he's Sauron, so there. I don't know. It can go either way. My money is on Halbron. Will we meet more characters? Yes, there is a good deal of them that are still to come, but some of them we already know. Because, like, uh, Isildur, he's supposed to still make an appearance in this. And Isildur's father, we know he's not Sauron. So, okay. Now we got two wizards that we're talking about, potentially. Now we got... Two Maiars? Okay. Yeah, we got two Maiars. Sauron is a Maiar. Sauron uh, is a Equivalent to Gandalf and Sauron. And... Radagast and the blue wizards that are, like, never Mm -hmm. mentioned. And the Balrogs. Yes. Balrog! So, maybe Halbron is a Balrog. Maybe the stranger is a Balrog. There's so many possibilities. You're jumping to Maybe I'm a Balrog. Who knows? We're all Balrogs. But... Fucking Balrog. Yeah, so that that's going to be interesting. There's definitely going to be a confrontation between the mm-hmm. two, uh, the Stranger and Halbron. You think so? see that coming? Mm-hmm. You see that? Okay. Mm-hmm. What's happening? I would I would find that quite interesting. I would. All right. My biggest headache first off topic. Please go off. Topic. Headache corner. Halbron was too clean cut shaven to be lost at sea. He was like budget Aragorn. My God. They are setting unrealistic standards for men and our grooming. Right? I thought I did a pretty good job, but if he's lost at sea and looks like that, yeah. he's just a little, like, salted out. Dude's oh. a 10, but he's on a raft stuck in sea. Like, <laughs> what's going on here? Daddy? Uh, that That's my main piece, is that I think that Halbron is Sauron under disguise. And Wait, he... Sauron or Sauron? Sauron. Okay. Did I say Sauron? You said Sauron. Well, Fuck me. Alright, so Halbron is under the disguise and he is going to infiltrate. Uh, so basically inserted himself into Galadriel's kind of world there. Take right. advantage of the position. Okay. Right. 
Uh, I can see that. And she will ultimately lead him to Calabrimbor, mm-hmm. who smiths the rings uh, there in Irigon. Uh, Irigion? Irigion, something like that. Oregano. That is... That is or the not. land of the Elvish smiths, and that is where the rings are ultimately forged. Uh, so we might, we'll, we'll pro- most likely be coming back to see that maybe this season, but by the You're end of, a lot of the series. Man, I am a fortune teller. Fair enough. So let's talk Arendir and Bronwyn. What do we have on Arendir and Bronwyn uh, there in the Southlands? Yeah, so we kind of check back up with them, and uh, they're kind of scouting through this village that's been kind of torched. Looks like orcs. But the, the thing that's kind of funny is that they, they, they don't see anybody in that. Nope. No bodies, nothing like that. Mm. And Erendir finds a little tunnel. And he's like, oh, yeah, you go back out. Tells Bronwyn, oh, yeah, you go back out. Go back home. Warn your people. I'm going to go check this tunnel out. See what it's got. I, I don't think we talked about what led them to this area as well because there was a cattleman that brought his yes. swat, his bovine, that is a scientific term for a cow, and brought them by and was milking it of black goo. goo. Yeah. So uh, they found that the, this cow was feasting over in these lands. Uh, that led Erendir and Bronwyn to go and investigate again, find it completely evacuated. Evacuated and burning. And burning. That spells doom. What do they do? Bronwyn, like you said, uh, gets sent back for reinforcements to inform the rest of the, the town. And Arendir jumps into the tunnel. From what I remember, he did he was uh, quite scurred and uh, was running through the tunnels. He ended up getting kidnapped. Uh, that's where I believe we get the cut of the episode, right? The cinematography on that, let me nerd out again. Cinematography on that was also incredible to just see all of those hands around him that looked like vines expand and just completely engulf him. They they really knew what they were doing and trying to make those screensavers for all of us. That was a good shot. But again, you know, this is to my point of things being a little bit slow mm-hmm. with where, the uh, Aaron Deer and the Bronwyn situation. Where do you where do you think that's going to lead? I mean, it can it can lead in a million and one directions. Um, it's fairly obvious that the tunnels are for the orcs. Uh-huh. Aaron Deer is going to get captured by the orcs, which is that little cutscene that you were just talking about, right? Um, Bronwyn, I'm assuming she's going to go back, and um, nobody's going to believe her, so she's going to have to find she, some proof because she's a woman. They are always erratic. They did not know to believe me- all women. In Middle Earth, yeah. Basically, Aaron Deer, he, he goes and uh, checks out the tunnel, and Bronwyn goes back to the village, and she tries to persuade the village to go and evacuate, to go mm-hmm. and find safety, but nobody's believing her. Um, and so, what? how did we get to the scene with Theo? Because I know it kind of cuts over to the scene with Theo kind of like checking out the floorboards for mice, and um, he finds an orc. And they fight the orc, which then she uses as proof to the villagers. Right. Uh, come to find out, he is hiding the blade of Sauron. Mm. He ends up also finding an orc as they have tunneled underneath their lands and has busted through their house. Is able to grab the blade of Sauron that he has been, has been holding onto and hiding from everybody else. And is able to cut down the orc that has busted through their floorboards and attacked them. 
Then at this point, uh, well, Bronwyn comes in and severs the orc's head. Yeah, oh yeah, Bronwyn comes in, mother bear style, slices it off, and then throws it into the tavern and says, Did "Who's your daddy?" <laughs> I'm your daddy. <laughs> but that's like literally all that happened. Look at it from big picture. They find a tunnel, and then she brings an orc's head. Could have been a little bit faster pace, in my opinion. There. <sighs> this episode as well we see that Elrond has taken his trip to Khazad-dûm also known as the Mines of Moria. We saw that in Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Speak, Ring. Speak friend and enter. Friend. What, what's the elvish word for? Belloc. Fucking nerd. <laughs> we we see Khazad-dûm it is live and thriving. Elrond is going through he ultimately had to challenge the Prince Durin the Fourth to the Battle of the Beards, which <laughs> was just a rock smashing contest. And he goes in and challenges him, and it is just whoever can keep smashing the most rocks so until they collapse. I I really liked like that's my favorite part of everything yeah. so far. Um, that that scene where where Elrond and Celebrimbor. Uh, they're walking. They're walking towards the entrance of Kazadum, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, my buddy Duran. He's an awesome dude. He's gonna have like a feast. He's gonna be so happy to see me." And he knocks on the door. He's like, "Yo, what's up? It's Alron." And then he's like, "Yeah, get out of here, man." Like, what? No, it's Alron. Piss off. Get out of here, man. And they're like, "Okay, well, in that case, then I'm gonna challenge you to smashing rocks." Yep. They- that's like such a dwarvish freaking thing, too. It, it is, and that that's why I love because it. It really uh, wakens up as well the relationship that Legolas had with Gimli and the dwarves and the elves. And so we could really appreciate that friend-enemy relationship of love and hate. Elrond is wor- working with Calabrimbor. They are trying to get into Khazad-dûm to work with the dwarves. We didn't touch on this from episode one, that they're trying to build the forge of the hottest flame. Dwarves are kind of known for that. Yep, and that's where Elrond convinces Calabrimbor of, what if we look outside our race to help build this, because it is going to take a while and it is going to be quite vast. That's what lead us to Khazad-dûm, meeting Prince Durin IV. Eventually, we will see, see King Durin the third uh his father durin durin uh, which is band. also the it is the door of durin yeah durin's day no. so i think that's kind of cool yeah so that that whole sig and tahag um that competition um mm-hmm. one thing that i found kind of funny was uh elves aren't supposed to uh, feel fatigue not a thing that happens to elves and then do elves sleep it's a great question i don't know i don't think they do um because they don't get tired but um, one thing that is interesting is they don't hmm. they, they shouldn't get tired. Maybe my lore is completely wrong. Yet, Tell us in the comments. Yet, Durin won the rock smashing competition because Elrond was showing signs of fatigue. So maybe he let him win. You think so? I, I totally think so. Yeah. I, 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 I would say so because, yes, again, they're supposed to be old friends and uh, the elves are quite gracious and they don't want to flaunt that. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine, like, this dude shows up and, like, at this point, everyone's like, obviously, I've hey, done this guy some wrong. I'm not going to beat him in his own competition. I am immortal, and I do not feel yeah. fatigue. Suck on my elvish balls. Yeah. No. Uh, that that was very high class of him. Yeah. To to give give it up for 
Prince Durin, uh, which ultimately they were able to have their heart to heart. So it's literally as uh, so basically when it came down to the Sigan Turan, um, it was if Elrond wins, he gets a boon. If Durin wins, Elrond is banished forever. So as Elrond is being escorted out of Khazad-dûm, that is when Durin kind of lets slip that um, the reason why he's mad is that he, dude hasn't stopped by in 20 years. And like to Elrond, like 20 years is a blink of an eye. Yeah. But to a dwarf, even though they live like hundreds of years, 20 years is still significant. At this point, he's gotten married. He's had kids. and he, I believe they live up to 700. That sounds about right. They, 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 they yeah. are quite up there. Yeah, they that, get pretty old. That That's not the same as immortality. But... No. Yeah, that Elrond hasn't checked in in 20 years. It's like, what, you go like three days without talking to each other and it's weird? Right. So it's like 20 years I can't even imagine. So Elrond instead, uh, he congratulates someone getting married, having kids. And what he does is he asks like, hey, can I apologize to your family? Durin is like, Ugh, I guess so. And so <laughs> this is... dwarfish. Yeah, Elrond kind of saw that as a way in. One of the other best parts of the show, I think, is found in Disa. Okay. Uh, Durin's wife, who is extremely warm and welcoming to Elrond, and invites him over to stay for dinner. And at first, Durin's like, No! Absolutely not! <laughs> and then, like, kicks him out, and then Elrond's, like, walking away. Or actually, no, sorry. Before that, Elrond is like, taking note of the, the tree from Linden mm-hmm. that Durin is growing from their home. And he had the elves close to heart. Yeah, he had the elves close to heart. And then he says something along the lines of like, how could, um, why wouldn't a tree blossom in such a home filled with love like this? Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. And then Durin finally lets up. He's like, okay, you can stay. Can stay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just like, those uh, damn elves. It's just that, that relationship between Elrond and 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 Durin is that really captured the essence of friendship in Lord of the Rings. Like there's mm-hmm. just that that like when you think Lord of the Rings, you think of like the fondness between like Gandalf and the Hobbits, or the fondness between Legolas and Gimli, and how they kind of like yep. jest at each other a little mm-hmm. bit. They kind of poke each other in the ribs, but it's like really good nature. And that's what I really love about Lord of the Rings, just the relationship. It, it feels them. like family. Yeah, like, that's what feels family's like family. a lot like. Yeah, and so I think that they did a great job at capturing that essence. Mm-hmm. Um, in the relationship between Durin and Elrond. So I'm very interested in seeing how that progresses. Okay. I like that. Love to see what, what goes on with that. Let's, so let's they open... It, it jumps forward then that Prince Durin is talking to his father, King, king Durin, Durin. Which is very confusing. The Durins. Talking to the king about trying to garnish this alliance with the elves. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think was within that chest that he opened up? Because... The King Durin is still very hesitant of all elves. Soon as that chest opened up, soon as that chest opened up, I was like, oh, that's Mithril. You think it's Mithril? Uh, Yeah. I, being the loser that I was, not knowing a lot about the Tolkien universe, instantly related it back to The Hobbit and thought that it was... What was it? You can describe it. Probably um, not. The Arkenstone. Oh my goodness, that's so far in the future. <laughs> right? The Arkenstone, okay. I, I, I could see how you got that. Right? Yeah. I could see how you got that. The Arkenstone. <clears throat> so the loser that I was, not knowing a lot of Tolkien's universe, when he opened up the chest, I thought it was the Arkenstone. The heart I, of the mountain. Yeah. Yes, I instantly 
thought of the Hobbit, I was like, oh, it's a glowing rock. Yeah. Lucky charm. <laughs> no, I, I didn't have a whole grasp of what Mithril was. Do you want Do you want to dive in on what Mithril what actually is and where it came from? So we're talking about metal. <laughs> metal! <laughs> and uh, this is one of those things that where um, knowing that Kazadum is the Mines of Moria and knowing the scene of Frodo getting stabbed by the, what was it, the troll? Wearing yes. his mithril armor. There's significance yes. in the mithril, and that kind of echoes in the Rings of Power. And again, that's why I'm just so happy with, with the relationship between that, like just all the themes that Durin and Alrond are in, I think, together at least. I think those were done very well. And so there, there's kind of that echo there. And so that's what I thought. I was thinking Mines of Moria, I was thinking Mithril. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Mithril is essentially vibranium, it's okay. essentially nth metal. It's, oh, not quite. But it's it's you're very very light. You can't pierce through. It's mm-hmm. it's the hardest metal. It's incredibly light. It's stronger than steel, and it's kind of the dwarf secret at this. The point. strongest metal. It it wasn't sent from space like nth metal or from vibranium. And everything's from space. We are from space. Yeah. No. So uh, mithril. They. Um. I I do recall reading in on that that it was. From the a tree that was being given magical presence of the elves while being struck down by a balrog, the power of that surged through the roots of the tree and they believe even deeper into the mountain. That's where they get the metal that's in there, the mithril. Interesting. And I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I was... A little bit blown away, and that's also again the why elves have such a connection for the trees and such, or, or and why, why that's a, connected to see, mithril. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Yep, that yep. makes sense. That's where uh, mithril came from, and why mithril is so important. So, um, as we move through this, I will be very interested to see how this storyline between Elrond and the dwarves play out. I, I will love it. I think that's a, it's a pretty good recap so far of everything that happened in that. What uh, were your thoughts? Like, what's your what's your favorite storyline? What's your least favorite storyline? Did we hear much about the stranger and Nori? No, no, not much happened there. There was also the storyline uh, that we saw opening up in episode one between the stranger who fell from the sky. And Nori Brandyfoot of the Harfoots, uh, we believe that they are the Hobbit ancestors. Though there was not much noteworthy information in episode two. It, again, is just a lot of character building and storytelling to, yeah. to lead this up. So and again, that's about it. With my with my strong opinion here of like this being paced kind of slowly and the Hobbits just being there for... Oh, look, here's Hobbits. Mm-hmm. It's like literally nothing happens between Nora and the Stranger. It's like I think at one point they try to communicate and nothing happens because the Stranger doesn't speak English. But that's about all we find out. Okay. A little disappointed. I was hoping that, that more happened there. Yeah, there's still a lot of questions surrounding that storyline. So we'll see more unravel uh, in the future episodes. Uh, what did you think overall? I'm going to say overall that this episode, uh, again, was more story building, world building of um, understanding who the characters are, the foundations of them, that it gave me more questions than it did answers. Yeah. 
But again, I will dive into all of my nerdiness full-heartedly, and, and that's where I'm going to try to be bringing you guys as much information as I can, learning this as, as I go kind of deal. So this one was definitely a, hey, we're going to give you more to learn as you go. Yeah. I both appreciate and dislike that. So like Halbron, I have mixed emotions on it. What were your what were your impressions on this? Yeah, I think that I think at this point it's pretty clear. Uh, I'm not too happy with how the Gladrill Halbron story is going. Like, I mean, it's not the worst. I think the the Harfoot story, like, they need to up that. They need mm-hmm. to up that significantly. Gladrill and Halbron just a little bit slow for my taste, but that's okay. Um, we'll see how that goes. Arendir and Bronwyn again a little bit slow, but I'm very happy with Elrond and Durin. I think that's going great. I think okay. that's the highlight of the show so far. I think that's an overall good summary that we. The best that we can provide at the moment. This has been MDC Podcast. We want to thank you for listening. Make sure to like, subscribe, and tell Grandma. We're dropping new episodes every Sunday and Thursday. Let us hear what we should do next down in the comments. Nimure, you dorks. (laughs) 